In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We have one group and one man in the Gospel, the Pharisees and this man with a withered hand. The Pharisees, because of their pride, they hide behind, they hide behind what they know, which is the law, and they're not open to listening to the truth of Jesus that God desires mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. God does not serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath serves God. The reason Jesus came was not to give us rules, but to bring us back into relationship. Can I ask you to declare something with me? Rules... Rules are meant to support relationship. And this only happens through mercy. And so Jesus came to have mercy on us, to die for our sins so that we can come back into relationship with Him, but we have to follow Him. And so declare this with me, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This comes from Psalm 51. It comes from Hosea chapter 6. God desires to have mercy on us because He wants to have a relationship with us. And so to bring us back into relationship, God has to come to us because us as sinners, don't, we're not seeking the Lord. God is seeking us first. So we have this second man. A man with a withered hand. Jesus sees him. The withered hand signifies the man's weakness. And so Jesus says, Stretch out your hand, which means show me your weakness. Be humble. The man, he doesn't isolate. You know, when we're weak, we often isolate. When we're in desolation or depression, we run away from everyone. Jesus says, stretch out your hand. Reveal what, is, what you're struggling with. The man stretches out his hand. Jesus heals him. Jesus says, I desire mercy, so show me your weakness. Let me have mercy on you. We all know that this Tuesday is the election. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, I want to read quickly from the bishop, Bishop Francis. He, he's, he wants to give us some words, so I just want to read from him. I want to remind the faithful that it is their moral and civic duty as Catholics and Americans to make their voices heard by their vote and to vote according to their conscience. A conscience that is well formed and informed by the teachings of Jesus Christ and His church. We are blessed to live in a land where we take part in the cherished process of democracy and service to others. You hear it a lot, especially during election season, that the church is talking a lot about moral issues. It's like, ahu abuna, like we just want to hear about Jesus, right? We just want you to open up the gospel and, and talk about Jesus. And the church, I feel like two months before the election, is morality, morality, morality. We talk about, we're talking today, we're going to talk about gender issues. We've been talking about abortion and, and the... How, how wrong that is. We can talk about marriage and how marriage is between a man and a woman. And people are just like, Abuna, we're tired of it. But the church wants us to vote in accord with our conscience, but our conscience has to be informed. It has to be informed by truth. 
And the world is teaching us a different value. And our kids, we've talked a lot about our children, our children are learning something different. They're on TikTok all day. They're on Instagram. They're hearing from all these influencers. And so the church wants to be that influence. And we thank God that we have a community. Look at the church. Look at us. Look at how full this church is. Thank God that we still have a church that is full of young people and old people so that we can be informed of not just how to vote, but how to live our lives. You know, the crazier the world gets, the more important it is to communicate truth. The church must speak up, and parents are begging us to speak because people still listen to the priest, I hope. In every political season, politicians are invited to stretch out their hand, to reveal themselves. We know that politics is a dirty business. We see all over the news how much lying there is. You see Proposal 3 as if Proposal 3 is restoring Roe v. Wade. It is going so much more extreme than Roe v. Wade. So much more. And yet, lies, lies, lies. So us as a church, we heard one month ago, I preached on Proposal 3, and everyone's like, what, really? Is this really what's in the proposal? So Jesus invites every politician to stretch out their hand, to reveal themselves. Some politicians are open to the truth of Jesus, and some are not. Some politicians will say, I'm voting yes on Proposal 3. And some vote no. The choice is clear, and the choice is yours. All right. In California, last month, a bill was signed into law by the legislature and then the governor. A bill was signed into law, SB 107, called the Gender Affirming Healthcare Bill. It allows California courts to strip custody from parents who have legitimate concerns about their children undergoing irreversible medical procedures to appear as a different gender. So, if a child under 18, a minor, who knows what age, 10, 11, 12, if they want to change their gender, which doesn't exist, you can't do that. Your genetic makeup is a gift from God. But if they want to look like a different gender, and they want it, but the parents don't want it, the state will take away the child from the parents. Because that is law. That's a law now. Also, California is a sanctuary state in which minor children from other states can go to California and do these uh, procedures. Puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, surgeries to remove body parts without the knowledge or consent of parents. We're warning us and we're saying if Proposal 3 passes in our state, this is coming. I don't want to scare us, but it's a reality. I want to also talk about, recognize how the, this movement uses language to make it sound okay. The law, the bill, is called Gender Affirming Healthcare. If you guys know me, you don't know me that well yet. And I'm honestly like, sometimes chassa annoyed that I'm talking so much about this because 
I love Jesus so much, and I just want to talk about Jesus. And this is, this is like what Jesus would want us to hear, I think. But if you know me, I love affirming people. When I see someone, I, I smile and I say, you're amazing. You're beautiful. You're a child of God. God loves you. Your dignity is made in the image of the Creator, and you are amazing. So I love affirming people. And yet, look at the words that they use to talk about this. Gender-affirming healthcare. And so the issue comes back to truth. And you've heard this from me a lot. What is the truth? And how we, how we approach the truth. Listen, the culture says affirm the person based on their truth and not the truth. The culture says I will affirm whatever you want to be. And so when you meet somebody, you say, Hi, my name's Father John, and my, my, my pronouns are he, him. As if that's a necessary thing. Why do I have to tell you my pronouns? I was talking to a group of young men, very faithful men, that go to Wayne State. They go to all the colleges in our, in our city, in our, in our whole country. And they say that it is mandatory to put your pronouns in your email. Okay. They're normalizing it. It's normal. And so, if it's going to be normal, I heard a story about kids who are going into their middle school, and every morning, their teacher says, and this is not far from us, their teacher says, what are your pronouns today? Okay. So this is normal, and so if we don't speak about it, shame on us. What are we doing as a church and as a community to affirm not your truth, but the truth? The culture falls into a relativistic view of truth. You've heard me say it almost every single homily. Truth is not relative to your opinion. Truth is the truth. It's based on reality. Again, one of my favorite things to do is affirm people in the truth of your identity. It is not love to lie to someone about their identity. But the culture says it's not love if you don't affirm their truth. So if someone wants to be affirmed as they're born, they're a boy. They have XY chromosomes, but they want to be told that they're a girl. The culture says if you call them a boy, you're a bigot and you're not loving them. But I have to say this again. It is not love to communicate a lie about someone's identity. So what do you do when someone wants you to call them a different pronoun than their true biological gender? First, look at them with compassion. You've heard it before. I mean, no one wants pity, but I feel sorry for them. I'm sad. When someone comes and, and is so confused, it hurts me. They're brainwashed by the culture. This didn't exist 10 years ago. This does not have to be. This is a mental disorder. It's not like, don't get me wrong, it's not like homosexual attraction. Homosexual attraction, the church says, is a disordered attraction where man and woman are ordered to each other in the creation of God and how God has ordered creation 
and yet certain attractions, they're reality. And so we have compassion on those people and they have, they have a cross to carry and it's, it's not easy. But transgenderism is like off the wall. It's like, it's crazy. So first thing you do is you have compassion on them. But second thing is, as a Christian, you do not lie to them. You do not affirm a lie. You say, I'm sorry, that's not your gender. You may be confused, but that's not the truth. And I love you. I love you. And because I love you, I need to tell you the truth. There's an old saying, the truth hurts, but it sets us free. I'm going to say that again. The truth hurts, but it sets us free. Will you be persecuted if you do this? Absolutely. Will you be canceled? Could you lose your job? Possibly. I'm hearing that at GM, at GM you have to put your pronouns. And that there are, there's like inclusive modules before on onboarding that you have to basically lie. I'm hearing from our kids in your colleges that they are purposely writing in their homework assignments. They told me that if I write like gender affirming type of like language that I'll get an A+. But right when I talk about something that is, is Christ-centered, I'll get an F. Kids are being persecuted in these types of ways in, in high schools, in colleges. But look at what St. Paul says to Timothy. All who, this, I talked to the men about this this past week. All who want to live religiously in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know what's so hard for me? It hurts my heart. Family, you still listening? It hurts my heart that I am preaching a message that will lead to your suffering, that will lead to your persecution, that you were like, Jesus said it, we're like sheep to be slaughtered. The culture is not going to support this message. The culture is not supporting the truth of Jesus Christ. And it is against that truth. It hurts. It hurts me. But here's what you do. Let's say you tell the person that wants to be affirmed in their lie. You tell them, no, this is not you. This is not your identity. Maybe you save that person. Maybe five, ten years later, they look at you and say, you know, there was a Christian back then who stood up for the truth and I regret what I did. This wasn't my gender. God made me the way he made me. And I was confused. And there was that one Christian out of all the others who were lying to me. There was that one person who said, no, I love you. This is not who you are. You're meant to be light in the darkness. The crazier the world gets, it feels as though there's no hope. But the gospel this morning, it ends with this verse. In his name, the Gentiles will hope. In the name of Jesus, we will hope. Amen? Amen. We always say, What does that mean? My hope is in the Lord Jesus. 
So if proposal three passes, our hope is in Jesus. It's okay. We'll be okay. The church will not stop fighting. Actually, we're here for such a time as this. 2,000 years of persecution as Christians. The church, we heard last week, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church because it stands on the rock, which is the truth of Jesus Christ. And that truth will never change, no matter what. The culture needs the mercy of God. And Jesus is always trying to pour upon his mercy. On the cross, Jesus is dying. And they're mocking. Ha, 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 ha! Jesus, you said you were the Son of God. And Jesus cries out, Forgive them, Father. Gezile, they don't know what they're doing. Instead of killing his enemies, Jesus dies for their sins. Instead of condemnation on the cross, Jesus chooses mercy. Jesus says to St. Faustina, I perform works of mercy in every soul. The greater the sinner, the greater the right he has to my mercy. And so Jesus says to all of us and to the world, stretch out your hand. Show me your weakness. If any of you today in this church struggle with what I preached, Jesus says, stretch out your hand. It's okay. I can heal you. The truth hurts, but it sets us free. Amen?